Uh, I didn't know if you guys like Twisted Teas, but I had them. So I figured we would do that. Cool. <clears throat> I don't not like Thank you. a lot of things. I They used to be more, uh, their marketing was very uh, white trashy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they've gotten away from that a little bit. I feel like you need to expand on that. <laughs> <clears throat> their marketing for their, like the bottles and the pictures that they would have on the bottles felt very like, uh, like you know, not necessarily people that I would hang out with. Was but, it like uh, the, wow. It was a thing. The entering Shit's Creek sign. It what I here's if I was to show you some of the pictures that I saw, I've never seen that. Oh. By the way, oh, that's disappointing. Uh, Speaking but, of people I wouldn't hang out with, Anthony Kiedis is the oh. singer. Oh. You would hang out with him. No. no. <laughs> if Anthony Kiedis met you and he was like, we should hang out sometime, yeah. you would you would be like a big old bird in his face. Well, first of all, between Anthony Kiedis and I, there would be like 175 women. So mm. I don't think I'd be able to get close enough to him to be like, hey, man, how's it going? That wasn't part of the, the discussion. Oh. That was... This is a hypothetical. You're this saying... This is a world free of women. Oh, I see. You're saying... <laughs> Uh, well, I he's it, pretty randy, so then I definitely wouldn't want to get that close. That was his original first name. Yeah, it's Randy Kiedis. It's just Kiedis. you and Anthony in a room together. Uh, yeah. yeah. How big's the room? <laughs> <laughs> Sam's a pretty big uh, Anthony Kiedis fan. I believe we've established that. What yeah. if he asks you for voice lessons? Why would he do that? Because he saw he Little you. Shop of Horrors. Well, it would, I could actually probably help him. I mean, and that's how pathetic that is. Well, once again, we will start off another podcast with a disagreement. Yeah. We are back for episode number two, and I'm saying all this while I check everything to make sure everything is actually good. And I believe we are good. So this is episode... Number two, Stadium Arcadium. This is the the Mars disc. And uh, we are going to get through another, what is it, 14 tracks? Yeah. Is that right? Nice. Th- this album's two discs. Yeah. I, uh, two discs, one cup, if you will. No, and I will not. <laughs> I, is, is that a reference to something else? I was just, I was saying that I have a cup over here and there's two discs. Never mind. So, last time we went through the Jupiter disc, and I really enjoyed that. So, why not do a whole other disc? And uh, what did you guys think of this one in general as you listened over the last week? I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. I think I liked the other one better. Really? Yeah. Okay. I would disagree. Oh! Oh, more disagreements. Fight, 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 fight. Yeah, I think the first disc might have been a little stronger, in, oh. in, in my opinion. But um, I don't know. It's interesting. Double albums are yeah. are are kind of are kind of interesting. It's a like, bold choice, you know. I guess, but also, you know, they're one of those bands that have been around long enough, so I'm sure they feel like they can do that. But I wonder if it could have all been consolidated into one, you know. But whatever. I feel well. What did I read? Something about like. 33 tracks 
that they did total. I'm not sure if we covered that I in the last did. episode. And you said I thought 38 last time. Was it 38? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I knew it was a lot. Yeah. And I maybe I got <laughs> confused between the the new album Unlimited Love and this one, but it's a lot. And yeah. but I mean, from going, it would have been an even more interesting choice to do what they originally set out to do was release three discs over like a year or a year and a half or yeah. something like that that yeah. would all be part of the same thing yeah. which maybe then that wouldn't have even had the same title yeah. or anything or it would have been three different planets didn't green would day. it be uranus <laughs> that is inappropriate <laughs> is it <laughs> it's all the shit songs <laughs> <laughs> that is that, that was good I, Thanks. <laughs> that was fairly well played i'll give you that one yeah. I will see myself up. <laughs> we, I actually need you to stick why, around is a there, bit. Why would you oh, even okay. release them? Like, are you just like, we just wanted to, everything we made, we just wanted to put out. Like, why would you even put them out if they're bad? <laughs> <laughs> because I had a little bit more time on my hands. I found a couple things from interviews, and I have a little audio clip here of Flea and John talking about Stadium Arcadium, and I'm going to play it right now. Um, you're back with a new album, Stadium Arcadium, which so you've described as, I don't know, the most excited you've been since since the band started and it's the kind of best thing that you've you've ever done. Why mm. why why do you feel like that? I, well, I mean, I, I feel like the quality of the music is the highest that we've ever done in terms of it being a really far-reaching dynamic record. But more when I say that, it's more about my own emotional being in regards to, to the music and, and where I've my place in, in being a musician is and just the feeling in the band for me. Just when we started this band, I felt like it was just this natural explosion that I couldn't control. Mm. It was just this beautiful thing. Like, all I had to do was sit back and let it take me, and it did, wildly. And I felt that way um, in the creation of this record the same way. This is the first time, like, we've ever made an album for me where I, it just seemed like everybody in the band was on 10, you know? Mm. It just seemed like everybody... Everybody was at their best and everybody was supporting each other. It wasn't always like uh, Blood Sugar, it wasn't. Californication wasn't, by the way, it wasn't. So it's, it's, it, for me, this is like a real special album for that reason. It's, I, I don't feel like what, the band's ever been so unified since I've been in the band, you know? Maybe it's a thing where, depending upon where you were at a certain point in your life when you listen to an album, it's similar to a conversation that we've had about Eve Six before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're two different albums. And it's like some people really like their first self-titled, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, that was versus the, horoscope. That was the one that came out that like I remember getting into at the time that it came out. And I think it was the late 90s uh, for that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember getting getting into that at the time. And yeah. it's just a matter of how hard you dive into something and at what age, because maybe you would feel completely different about this one had you listened to it in 2006. And had you been a bigger Chili Peppers fan in general, I suppose. Oh, me specifically? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, probably. I yeah. mean, I think that's probably the way it is with like anything, right? Like mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you have a sentimental attachment to something, you know. And that's, I, there, yeah. There's that. I know that there are plenty of albums that I listen to that I like, grew up listening to, that are not good. <laughs> like I, I'm aware of that. You know, I, I, yeah. I don't think that like my musical tastes are superior to anyone else's. I just know that there are things that I have an, like an attachment to. Oh yeah. That I like 
just specifically because of this like space and time that I existed in, you know? Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I do believe that there was a, a moment in time where I not only owned their albums, but I had a few posters of the Irish band Bewitched. Just so you know, I'll put oh, that out there. I've heard of them. Yeah, c'est la vie. And uh, blame it on the weatherman. You know who I'm talking about? I've heard of the band. Nice. I, oh, well, you saw the tape out there the other well, day. Yes, I do but I, I uh, couldn't tell you any of their singles. <laughs> well, fortunately for your ears, <laughs> oh, no. we won't have a whole episode on that. I just, I think that that's interesting when you, it's almost unavoidable when you dive into an album or or a band per se, and it's hard to not have that baggage with it and and think about it, I guess, sub subjectively that way yeah going back to the the eve six example that you mentioned um yeah yeah it, it seems like i think you have we've talked about the fact that if you talk about those two albums with somebody who is familiar with the band and those albums they either love one or love the other mm -hmm. um I I have yet to meet anybody that said that they love both right, of them. Right, right. <laughs> I'm um, waiting for that. Yeah, because I I knew the song Inside Out, but I honestly had never listened to the first album. Yeah. Um, and then I was introduced to Horoscope, the second album, and just really dove into it. And I just love that one. And so I have this nostalgic attachment mm -hmm. to Horoscope over the self-titled album. And I mean, the sounds a little different, but it's not like a crazy huge difference right. in the sound. Maybe Horoscope might have had some harder guitar in it, but other than that, I don't, I don't know. So we are going to kick it off with track number one on disc two of Stadium Arcadium. This is Desecration Smile. have it now you guys can't hear it because i'm just playing the music for you but uh there were some words being set into our microphones and uh one of the things that dawn said is that with headphones this is the first time that she heard the 
in the background. Uh, that was not only noticing that upon listening to this and paying closer attention to the details, I just in general, especially on this disc, found that I I was catching more of the background vocals. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if some of them, maybe you know this, Sam, is some of it, is it Ketis again, just singing higher? As opposed to just like John or... He might have doubled his voice on this, but... Because sometimes I was hearing it and I I thought maybe it it sounded like him. But they do sound similar when they they sing sometimes. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I I, I do like... That's one of the things I do like about this, which I know I mentioned when we talked about the first half uh, on Jupiter, but... um, yeah, I do. I do like. Uh, I do like John's background vocals on this song mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, did you know? Fun fact about this song: they performed this live before recording it. No, several times. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. I heard that on their commentary. They must have worked it up while they were on the road or something. Yeah, they didn't. I think this is the one they said they didn't love the chorus as they were performing it live, so they were reworking it. That interview that I played earlier, the the one that was uh, like some British thing or whatever. Um, I think she was Irish. Was is that what she was? I don't know. Maybe she was in Bewitched. So uh, <laughs> one can never know, really. They played one song while they were there, and it was this song. So I actually, uh, I think maybe I got a clip of that. I don't have a lot of clips from that particular. It was a single so interview, it but sense. they released it. So. I was kind of surprised it was a single. Anyway, I'm gonna play this. New track from the album there, which kind of has romantic inclinations. And um, would you say that's the kind of place that you are just now? Yeah, I hear it, and I hear it, and it sounds good, and it's and it's a nice place for for my heart to be when I'm singing and it's you know when we started writing this record everybody was very much experiencing a real energetic wave of love and and I could feel it and I could see it and and you know their demeanor and just the the way they were the look in their eyes and so that kind of became a central theme without me really thinking about it you know I don't sit down and ponder a theme but when you kind of listen to it collectively at the end you're like wow there's a a lot of love in these songs and you know commitment is a cool thing i was first of all i disagree commitment's terrible but i was kind of surprised <laughs> that this one was a <laughs> this one <laughs> that this one was a single another single that i didn't don't remember hearing on the radio yeah when mm-hmm. it came Same. Out. absolutely not and i'm gonna draw your attention mm-hmm. over here to this record that i purchased it's the uh analog recording of Stadium Arcadium. And what's the one that's on there? So they have like bangers on there. It says featuring like Tell Me Baby and uh, probably Danny California is on there. But then Snow is on there and snow. then Wet Sand. And then that's the thing is that it says Wet Sand. I don't even, I don't remember that being on the radio, nor do I necessarily think that I would have made that a single. Mm-mm. So I don't know if that was real that they made that a single or if they're just fucking with people by putting a random track on there. Maybe it was the record company. Yeah. So fun fact, um, the video was directed by Gus Van Sant. Oh, I didn't Uh, know that. I didn't have time to dive into the videos. All I, all I have is the memory of seeing what I saw back in 2006. He also directed their under the bridge video, but um, he's also a very well-known movie director. That's cool. Also another thing that I didn't know uh, between this album 
and the most recent album, Unlimited Love, John was gone 16 years. I had no idea that it was that long. Mm-hmm. So time flies. Yeah, there's that a lyric. Blew me away. There's a lyric in this uh, song near the beginning. Another girl bad for my health, and mm-hmm. uh, I just want to be like, maybe it's you, Anthony. <laughs> Jesus Ouch. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) i mean come on uh the the other thing that i would say about this track uh is that i probably would not have put it first i would say that it should probably be a mid-album track yeah but i guess technically it is mid-album because it is very much in the middle of the album yes uh technically Definitely depends on how you're looking at it. Album. I, guess. I don't know. I kind yeah. of, I kind of like the fact that it opened the second disc. You like that? Yeah. Well, you're wrong. Uh. So uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with starting with something a little more mellow because you know I think generally when we listen to rock bands we think you know they need to kick it off pretty hot. But yeah. you know, I guess it's okay to start with something yeah. more mellow. That's all right. I uh, like the song. I I love the chorus in this song. And now you get to hear the la la. la you're right. La, la. <laughs> Um, how about we move on to track number two on Mars, and that is, can anybody, anybody? Tell me, baby. There it is. in my top 10 of Chili Peppers songs, which is interesting, uh, I guess, because on this album, it was the second single released, but it didn't perform as well as Danny California or Snow, hey Um, But I think it's a really... Thank you, Sam. Uh... <laughs> Uh, it although it doesn't really have anything to do with coke, it, what that always reminds me of uh, uh, Night at the Roxbury hmm. when the two mm-hmm. dudes uh, do their nose hair yeah. and they're like yeah. <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> it's so funny, uh, but yeah, I just I think that this is a really pretty song, and um, parts of it like the verses. Um, sound and i'm not the only person that that has said this but it sounds kind of like some of their their funkier stuff of yesteryear mm-hmm. and yeah i really like this song and go <laughs> i love the mixture of all the different styles mm. um i just how it jumps from 
you know, the old staccato rappy sound. Yeah. And then the more melodic sound and then the funky sound and just all of it mixed together, I think is amazing. Um, I also love how they kind of mess with you in the beginning of the song. Like it's (laughs) like this really melodic slow you think it's going to be like this really pretty song and then they hit you with the funk (laughs) (laughs) i love that that's great um i when this was on the radio when it first came out i was i was okay with it Mm -hmm. it it wasn't one of my favorites but i don't know for some reason as i've listened to it more and more it has it's gone up and it's become more of a favorite for me yeah i loved danny california and snow and a bunch of other songs from this album but if I had to choose, like, you know, if somebody says, here's this album, you can only play three songs from it. I'm not sure that those other two hits would be ones that I that I pick. Really? Yeah. I mean, I still like them, but I feel like over time, this one has just remained up there for me. And I've kind of tired of some of the others. You're so Uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but life can be a little shitty. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that's, uh, if you don't, if you haven't listened to the whole song, uh, that is that comes later when Anthony is, you know, rapping. Uh, anyway, I just always thought that was funny, but it, it's just one of those lines that like totally stuck in my head. <laughs> so I just like find myself walking around during the day, being like, life can be a little shitty. Anyway. But yeah, I feel like this is one of those that really kind of just worms it, its way into your head. I think it's one of yeah. the better. I think it's one of the better tracks on this whole album. Um, it's um, air high five. Okay, uh, I think uh, so. According to Wikipedia, the song is about the dreams of pilgrims in L.A. who want to obtain fame and fortune. Um, so it's about coming to L.A. with you know high hopes of. Being a big star, I guess, yeah, and but. that the uh, the video kind of reflects that as well. It's almost like uh, auditioning. Oh, okay, it, 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 they they are different bands auditioning. And, yeah, yeah. That was it's also mentioned video. by the band in the commentary. So oh. that is confirmed, not just random Wikipedia rumor. Cool. Nice. <laughs> Wait, uh, Wikipedia is not true all the time. I think what? it is. I mean, especially when I edit it, I was since I mentioned it was from Wikipedia, I was kind of expecting it to be refuted, but I'm glad that it's been backed up. Uh, the only other uh, thing I'll mention about this, I really like the bit at 142 in this song at the end of, I think, the first chorus when John's guitar sort of becomes a keyboard. I think he starts it with a guitar and then it becomes a keyboard where it's mm. like that. Yeah. You know that whole thing. Yeah. Sorry for how, uh, that, how, listeners. But I had beautiful. To do that. How does that go again? Yeah, I could go through it again. Do that last note. One I'm not time. sure that I have the, the correct notes, but you know what I mean. Uh, anyway, listen for that because it's really great. Uh, I I really like uh, how they how they went all the way with it. And when I was listening to it, I was like, I don't know if they're going to go all the way with it at the end, but they did. They went all the way to that like you know high note. I kind of dug that. So to your comment earlier, Sam. Yeah. There was uh, a dude named Nick Mitchell who worked at The Skinny, and he had a quote that said uh, about the song, neither particularly complex nor memorable, Tell Me Baby is nevertheless an upbeat little number 
that may well ingratiate itself on your eardrums. So it made me think of what you said. Also, one of the things that I noticed is that it really reminded me of another one of my favorite songs by them that has a a line that we both love. um, And that line is Dope Dick. It reminds me of, by the way, uh, with the way that the song is set up and how it, you know, slow to fast, slow to fast. And I find these to be very similar. I like the choice in rhyming words in this one. He went with honeycomb, xylophone, chromosome. You know, just random words you would like you mention do. every day. <laughs> Some might say he's a lyrical genius. Mm. Anyone? No? Nope. No good? Nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like what this dude said, that it's not necessarily a memorable song. I feel like with the Chili Peppers, if you have so many songs over the course of your career, it's going to be like going to, you know, if you go to a go to a concert of any band that's been around for years and years, like there's no way that you can necessarily get to all of the hits because there's so many. So the odds of Tell Me Baby being like, unless it's one of your favorites, it just seems unlikely. Human brains are pretty limited in the stuff that they can think of off the cuff. You know, you're going to be able to come up with like three or four songs immediately and then you have to sit there and think about it. So maybe Tell Me Baby might not be one of the first, especially if you're old like us. There's Mm -hmm. a difference between a song being memorable and just plain getting stuck in your head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like as I was sitting here right before we started recording, I had the the guitar riff going through my head and I was going (laughs) 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 it's like it's catchy and it gets stuck in your head but like would it be the first song that I think of when I think of the Chili Peppers probably not yeah Uh, would this one be the first this is hard to concentrate no this song was really cute um this was written about flea's upcoming nuptials Mm. um and i like that there's there's a contrast in emotions between the verses and the choruses you can hear in the verses there's a little bit of doubt but then the chorus sounds like no i'm sure this is what i want but also wait (laughs) also the interesting thing i heard about this is that um Flea wrote the bass line to imitate John's guitar, like in the yeah. style of John. Yeah, I didn't hear. Uh, I didn't hear or read the the first thing that you know. I didn't know that it was about Flea getting mm-hmm. married. 
Uh, but I did read that. Um, also, side note, I think when I think of this album, I don't necessarily think of this song immediately, but it's one of the first ones because I was well into this album and this was the year that Becky and I got married. So it's clearly about that. So that's for some reason, that's one of the things that I associate with this album is and probably because the Chili Peppers don't necessarily have a lot of songs like this that are, you know, this kind of theme. Romantic. So, yeah. So this, well, defined romance. <laughs> I mean, to an extent. Dope dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a winner. Well, they did mention that they did a lot of growing um, or had grown a lot when mm. they recorded this album. So, um, you know, a Meow. lot of their... <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> a, a lot of their songs had to do with more, um, you know, maybe growing up themes like relationships and getting married and having yeah. children and things like that. So it doesn't surprise me that they wrote something like this. But um, as one does, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I mentioned right before we played the clip that you know this might not be one of the more memorable songs, but I I do like it. I think it's um, a sweet song. A couple days ago, I wrote this. You can cut it if you want. <laughs> Do you hate this song? I, I saw you making a face as the clip was being played, so I was curious about that. I'm hesitant to say this, but since I wrote it, I'm going to let you You guys, probably I'm, should. I'm going to let you guys have it. Excellent. This seems to be about getting married. I assume the title refers to Anthony not being able to focus on his vows. He's probably too busy checking out the bridesmaids. Or the mother of the bride. Or maybe the date he brought to his own wedding. Or any woman within 120 miles of his dick. That's what I read. For those of you tuning in, uh, Sam's a pretty big Anthony Kiedis fan in all in I wanted all to ways. make sure I wanted to make sure San Diego was included, so that's why I said 120 miles. <laughs> I didn't want the San Diego ladies to feel left out. Speaking of romance. I would never take that out, by the way. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next track. And that is 21st Century. some uh some good you know little punchy stuff in this song kind of kind of like it i like the way that the uh, i like the interplay sort of uh what's happening with the bass and the guitar uh the note i made here is that the bass sounds like a duck 
It does. I mean, I'm never going to be able to listen yeah, to this song the same way again. That's what I kept thinking. I'm like, it sounds like a little duck quacking. Um, <laughs> that's great. But yeah, I like the little you know, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that stuff throughout the the uh, chorus. So it's cool. I feel like this one's kind of a dark horse on the album for me. It's not one of them that I think of right away, but uh, over time, it's become one of my favorites. Yeah, this is one of my favorite songs on the entire album. Sweet. Um, I love the bass line throughout the whole song, um, and I love it. the bass line mixed with the simple beat, just the boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. It's like, I don't know. It just it makes me bob my head every time and I just, I'm just like I, I can't not move to this song yeah that's cool <laughs> this song was lovely and devastating <laughs> like you look at the lyrics it's it's all about how we're failing as a society uh yeah yeah there's that uh, and now I feel bad for like bobbing you, along no, to it no, you, <laughs> should. you should um, some, upbeat yet devastating <laughs> my yeah, so happy, we've talked but, about uh, that before yeah. <laughs> Uh, my favorite part is, and maybe you, uh, one of you also wrote it down was, uh, strangulation, altercation, oral sex and bird migration. Mm-hmm. It's probably All my favorite part of this. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite line to go along with the devastation was read me your scripture and I will twist it. Yeah. So real. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I agree with you, Don. It's a it's a fun song, and it's a bop, uh, as the yeah. kids would say. It's a banger. I've, I've literally is that, never is that another heard. One they say? I, another well, one. Okay, I I feel like I say banger. If is bop supposed to replace banger because we're boomers? A bunch of B words. I'll have to check with the uh, youngster in my household check, and find out. Yeah, you have to find out the difference between a bop and a banger because <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm lost. We we might need some new words too because I feel like we reuse. Uh, banger and Bob, I, banger for sure. I know we've said that several times. So I think we just need we need to expand our vocabulary. We just need a few more. I am words. on it. I'm gonna look up new words yeah. while we listen to she Let's looks make to me. Up new words. I didn't have enough time to look up any new words. I apologize. Uh, that was it was too fast, too fast. Uh, that's the problem when we get to the chorus so quickly. So, uh, what do you guys think of "She Looks to Me"? Um, I think it's a lovely song, but it is so sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's from what I read. It's supposedly about a girl that Anthony had a relationship with. Who? Um, no. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say something about that. Um, apparently who was destroying her life with 
with uh, a drug addiction and he <coughs> wanted to try to help her but couldn't and it was just making their relationship completely dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. But made a great song out of it. Yeah. Um, so there's that. It slows it down a bit and uh, there's nothing wrong with a sad song here and there. And I mean, you know, you're right about what you know. So it uh, that's that's what he did. What do you think, Sam? Uh, I couldn't quite, this, this song was really bothering me because I couldn't figure out what the intro reminded me of. It sounds like something I think from like the nineties and I couldn't quite figure out what, what it was from, but it reminded me of some sort of like song or alternative song or something that maybe I was on the radio a lot from the nineties. I couldn't nail it down. And you never cracked it. No, I couldn't figure it out. But yeah, once it kicks in with the the guitar at the beginning, I just, I don't know. It really, it's really reminiscent of something else for me. But maybe it's just like a lot of other songs from the 90s that were on the radio. I don't know. But it reminded me of something. I also like that he uses the the phrase uh, back 40 uh, (laughs) because I don't know. It's just kind of like an old phrase to use. But hey, guys, uh, according to Rap Dictionary, uh, banger means one, a gun or a weapon, two, a great song, three, someone who gang bangs. So there you mm. go. Okay. Thank you <laughs> for sharing that with us. <laughs> That's all I could find. <laughs> I found no synonyms because it when it's slang, there there's very uh, not a lot of synonyms. So I I tried. But um, I'm gonna say that's a that's a killer track. It's not. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. Instead of getting more depressed, let's go to the next track, and that is Ready Made. that song how about you guys i have a question i have an answer i probably um, don't though i've got a sister making babies with a black and decker blowtorch okay what where where <laughs> where is the question exactly the question is what <laughs> well now i i cannot say this is fact but i feel like um Ketis might have just been making stuff up for this song. What? As, you don't think it's uh, true? as filler. <laughs> uh I, I did you guys Wikipedia this song? I no. found no. 
something okay. about it. So this this one in particular, I wasn't. I was having trouble coming up with stuff on my own, and I was having trouble in just researching in general. So I'm like, fuck it. Let's go to Wikipedia. So what I found on there is uh, that there was, uh, in a special edition of Stadium Arcadium, uh, Kiedis was talking about how this song is, quote, much closer to the other three hearts in the band, and that it came from a place that he had never understood. And Flea agreed with him. And it says that this is mostly because of the int- intricate rhythms included in the drum beat and the heaviness of the bass line. John Frusconte said that the that the main riff from the song was made by him while he was playing bass with his fingers. And the band says that the chorus comes from a face-off that they had. Can I tell you what I found? I would love to hear it. Ready Made is a tribute to art appropriation in the music industry. An example of this is someone being inspired by a riff or melody, sampling, or interpolating this in their own music. You got it! Um, in the commentary <laughs> DVD, John explains how the riff originated from playing bass, despite this, this sharing a riff with past band member Dave Navarro's August 1988 mm. mountain song. Go get it! Um, ironically, the mountain song riff is not credited in this song, and John never mentioned it. Sam, I need you to articulate what you're what you're doing right now. No, tell me what you're thinking. Do you, have, do you have more to say? I don't want to cut you off. No, it just says plagiarism <laughs> is rife in the music is industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was one of my notes. Uh, Jane's Addiction put out an album called Nothing Shocking in 1988, and it had a song called Mountain Song on it. Mm-hmm. And um, the bass uh, riff to start the song off is basically the same thing. It, it, it varies like pretty quickly, but yeah, this is, is, is exactly what this song reminded me of. Um, so that was interesting, obviously, because Dave Navarro was in the band for one album, one yeah. hot minute when John Frusciante left the first time. Um, for one hot minute had the song aeroplane on it that was like mm-hmm. the big hit from uh from that album but did we ever find out why they don't really play that song i think that album in general for their career has been mostly panned by critics and their fan base so that's why it's typically mm. they just don't even touch it just avoid it they just yeah they leave yeah. it alone um yeah i like jane's addiction a lot and so when that song came on i was like are they covering Mountain Song? Like what? But then, yeah. you know, obviously it goes into a different direction. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but uh, this is, this I think, first of all, I think the title of it sounds like something that you would call like, I don't know. It, it sounds like the name of like some Tupperware, like a Tupperware brand. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but I think this is probably like the, this is probably the song I enjoyed the absolute most on mm. the album. Um, I love how um, I love like the chunky riff. I love how like funky it is. So I'm using unky words. Uh, I, I like when at the beginning of the song and then kind of on the outro at like around the three fifty mark, John is doubling his guitars. Mm. Um, I really dig that part. I think it's like super cool. Very uh, uh, thin Lizzie of them. Um, and then during the little break, right before John's guitar, so oh, he's say- like, oh, clean it up, Johnny. I, love <laughs> I was going gonna- to say that. I, I, I love that. I part. really like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this this is probably a song, like I said, I enjoyed this more than anything else on the album. 
Sweet. I'm glad you caught that. I don't know why, but it seemed like in all other times listening to that to this song, like for years previous, I just never paid attention to that. And then today that stuck out to me. So, yeah. Anybody else? I hate to say it, but this is one of my least favorite songs <laughs> on the album. Oh. <laughs> Where did we go Sorry. wrong? No, I I love I love the <clears throat> If I can separate the two, I love the mixture of the bass line and the guitar, but overall the song itself, and I don't know if maybe it's just the lyrics, it, it's very repetitive, the whole okay. re- ready-made, ready-made, it, it's, it, it just goes on a little bit too long for mm-hmm. me, and I'm just, I find myself either wanting to skip it, or if I feel like I need to listen to it, I'm like, okay, is the song over yet? <laughs> <laughs> Go get it. Let's go to the next track, and that is If. I was your girl, all the things I do no, to wrong you. Song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Janet? Yeah. favorites it's very simple very pretty um if you can call say it pretty th- I, I would say that it's pretty um sam maybe not so much not, <laughs> and i find it really interesting because sam and i usually have like we're like on the same page with a lot of music and he really doesn't like yeah, anthony keaton apparently not <laughs> um but i love um One of my favorite lyrics in this song is, and if I saw the sun fall down, I'd pick it up and make a crown, one that was a perfect fit for you. Mm. That that lyric made me think of It's a Wonderful Life. When he says, do you want the moon? Yep. I'll get you the moon. Yep. (laughs) I would argue that the sun would be a little bit more uncomfortable than the moon, just temperature wise. Might burn a little bit. Yeah, a bit. Again, I agree with you. It's It's a pretty song. I enjoy singing along with it and uh i can't remember if this is one of them that i really liked back in what do they call them the aughts the uh back in the 2000s you know but i certainly really enjoy it now the only note i have is that when i heard this i actually thought to myself i think i could hear dave Grohl singing this like this could have been a ballad for the foo fighters oh Mm. Yeah. That was the only note that I made. Um, That's an interesting observation. Yeah. I don't know. Just what I heard. I think it might have been for this song that I I read a comment from somebody 
they compared it to a and and I'm trying to come up with the name of the song and I might get it wrong. Is it still by the Foo Fighters? Is that a song that they made? Oh, I'm not sure. Okay. Still. Um, hmm. You got you got the thing. Oh, I got the thing. Baby. Yeah. But anyway, so it, it might have been comparing this song to still. So it's interesting that you that you brought that up. Yeah, there we are. You are not wrong. This is on In Your Honor. Yeah, that would have come out the year prior. I see what you're saying. The way that it builds. Mm Mm-hmm. both start with if i mean it's pretty close it's pretty sus yeah <laughs> but who is that sus on when did in your honor come out 2005 oh Ooh. you son of a i mean not saying what we're saying <laughs> <laughs> good good catch where'd you read that oh gosh heck if i know it oh was, i didn't know i think it so I didn't get a lot of my my facts from Wikipedia. I did get it get them from Song Facts. Oh, yes. nice! If, if you can, there's good stuff. On you know, song I think facts. I've been there occasionally. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you can, you know, take anything that you read on Song Facts any more seriously than you can on Wikipedia, and, <laughs> so. uh, just anything on the internet in general. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure what to think so, about it. But and and I don't know that the person commenting was comparing the two songs as you know, like one plagiarizing off the other or anything yeah. like that, but just in the same vein of a very slow ballady mm-hmm. yeah. um, kind mm-hmm. of a song that, and so I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned yeah, um, absolutely. that it sounded like something that, um, yeah. that um, the Foo Fighters could have done. That was also the, that was also a double album for the Foo Fighters. So oh, that's kind that's of funny. So basically <laughs> the Chili Peppers ripped off the Foo Fighters for this whole album. <laughs> well, but that's, that's the thing we've learned is that they were going to go that's with the, the takeaway. Tri- they were going to go with a triple album to try to outdo them. And yeah. they're like, Oh, slow down guys. But the Foo Fighters did for their album. They did one half of it was like hard, heavy rock. And the other half was like ballads and like mellower huh. stuff. So, so wait, okay. So then when did speaker box, the love below come out? What year was that? That was in like 2000 and probably around the same time. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, was, I, I think that might've been earlier, even before in your honor. I think I was listening to speaker box this morning. Argu- going to look it up. Arguably not appropriate for early mm, in the morning, driving kids to school. Yeah. But I mean, I good did album. it anyway. Not it's the best, album. not the best outcast album, but a good one. Atlian's best <laughs> album. Ooh, I don't know. That's good. Stanconi is great. Equimini is great too. Mm. They got some good ones. Maybe we'll get to one of those albums one Perhaps. of these days. What'd you find, Veronica? 2003. Oh, they everybody stole everybody. it from Outcast. Of course they did. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> Fucking Makes Andre 3000. <laughs> I miss that guy. I need him to come back. Let's move on to another song, which is uh, one of my favorites. This is Make You Feel Better.
Hey, hey, you, you, I don't like your girlfriend. Hey, hey, you, you, I think you need a new one. It's boyfriend, but still, that's what it reminds me of when that song kicks in because it's like the same, it's the same fucking, same fucking thing. So the one note that I had for this song was 90s vibe. It, yeah. It, to me, it just sounds like it could have come straight out of the 90s, just like a, just a poppy, you know, earworm that you hear on the radio. Yeah. That's Which, that's nothing against '90s music because I love '90s music. Of but, course, yeah. But we hate just... '90s music here. <laughs> we never talk about it. What? So, <laughs> so I I thought it felt very much like the Beatles with that drumline and the mm. background vocals. I gotcha. Very Beatles. Yeah. Uh, by the way. <laughs> Oh, it is girlfriend. I yeah, we're we're gonna get off of this real quick, but but two things. This came out in 2007, so she stole it oh, clearly, damn. and you know she had to put her own spin on it. <laughs> also, this album was the album that my daughter listened to for the entirety of her being like, I want to say five or six years old. When we were in London, yeah. So anywhere that, like, whenever we were back at our flat or anything like that, we she would just have her headphones on and be scream singing along <laughs> with this album, and she still, like, still to this day knows all the words. And now she's got, kind of gotten into Avril a little, little bit more, just as a fan, and not just because it was one of the CDs that was laying around. Huh. So I find that to be <clears throat> adorable. Make you feel better is one of my favorite songs on the album. And I was thrilled to find out that this was added on our system for me to sing as a karaoke song. It's a very upbeat song and people can enjoy it but nobody knows the words to it, so they're not going to sing along or anything. But it's it's just such a fun song. And I never thought about your association that you said that it's sounding like a 90s song. I just, it definitely feels, this song in particular feels way different than all other 28 songs on this album to me. It does. Um and maybe because it's positive, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is, but it just it feels so different from the other so stuff. So, the as we were listening just now, what occurred to me, or or what I heard in my head, was the theme song from Friends. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it, it's I, I I don't know. Maybe it's just got the same beat or something. But it, it's it's that like I said that '90s vibe. Yeah. <laughs> It's got that 90s vibe, and I, I feel like they could just almost insert this song into the intro to Friends, and it yeah. would work. Yeah, it, it'd be better than Shiny Happy People. Yeah, yeah. probably. And that's mm. what they were going to use, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was something Sam told me yeah. a few years back. Anything else, Veronica? Um, I do have a lovely quote from the commentary on this album, or on this track. Um, Kitas was going to talk about some of the lyrics and he said not to toot my own horn because i'm not that flexible (laughs) 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 and that made me laugh (laughs) 
And then did he say anything uh, good after that? that was, after it doesn't it. matter. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's uh, let's move on to another one. Where are we at? Oh, it's Animal Bar. Mm-hmm. Never twenty-one when everyone's a sailor, coming up strong at the Animal Bar. Ever loving mug of Mr. Norman Mailer, turn another page at the Animal Bar, and it won't be long. No, it won't be long. No, it won't be long. Because it can't be long. I, 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 the cry of isolation. I, 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 the higher meditation. I, 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 the sweet precipitation. Another song that I really like. I like it as well. Um, so on the Song Facts <laughs> website, <Excellent. laughs> I've read that um, Anthony said that this is this song is about the cycle of life. Oh. Um, it's inspired by a tiny town in Australia that doesn't get rain most of the year. When it finally does, it brings a sense of cleansing and rebirth. Hmm. Um, and fun fact that I didn't know, um, I didn't realize that Flea is originally from Australia. Mm-hmm. Oh, so nice. I thought that was interesting. His name is Michael Baldessari. That's pretty close to what he goes by now. Yeah. Right? Uh, I had no idea what this song was about, and I didn't have the time to look this one up. So thank you for that. Um, supposedly, there is an actual place called Animal Bar in Kurumba. Australia? Hmm. Uh, you guys free next week? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm up for it. Let's go. <laughs> I just loved the rain imagery in this one. It, it, While I know that it is about Australia, it made me think of um, the wildfire season in the Northwest and when it finally starts to rain mm-hmm. and how much of a relief that is. Well, uh, my note on this was that... Um, I was kind of just expecting it to, um, after the part where they're like, and, and, uh, every piece of the earth, you know, that part, I was kind of expecting it to like, cause it's starting to build at that point, And I actually was sort of expecting it to like explode a little bit more and like go somewhere else. Like maybe not the first time around, but like maybe the second or after that. Like it was going to go like even further and the band was really going to just like go nuts, but it kind of didn't. It just came kind of back down. So it was kind of a disappointment for you. Well, it was just, I just thought it would be interesting if they maybe had done that, like, like even one time in the song, because otherwise I think it just kind of kept doing the sort of same peaks and valleys, but that's okay. I mean, it doesn't always have to go that way, but I, that's what I was expecting when I heard it. I was like, oh, now they're going to just like start jamming and it's going to come this like big wall of noise, but it never did that. So. That's, that's how right. they get you to listen to the whole thing. I guess. They just they keep you they keep you wanting more and they keep you hanging on. Man, keep me hanging on. I have a fun fact about this. Yes. This was Flea's favorite bass line. We got here. 
Um, I don't know if it's all oh, really? time or it's if it's the, just uh, this song, but he said this was his favorite bass line. Nice. Let's uh, listen to So Much I. torn on this song i don't know because i want to like it more than i do same yeah how do you guys feel on the blue velvet that's us oh is it <laughs> that's, the, that's the couch that is you're that, on i thought you were referring to drugs <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> is that a drug term we're right you guys want some blue velvet <laughs> I didn't have a lot on this song. I really liked the cowgirl and a troubadour mm. line. I thought that was fun. <laughs> but that's about all I wrote down about this one. I love the chorus. I like, But the, the beginning of the song, I don't like. I'm not excited about it when it starts. But if I power through, then I end up liking the song once I get past that. It's the verses that I don't like. And it's not necessarily... The words it's just the way that it's executed see i like the beginning of the song with the bass and the guitar and then i love later on in the song oh the very beginning the very yeah, beginning of the yeah. song i love with the bass and the guitar and then later on in the song i love but the parts where he's saying the so much i yeah eh, yeah i don't i, yeah, I, don't, I, don't I agree that. i agree it's kind of really, repetitive there, yeah doesn't it? so much it you what come on <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I loved. I, I like the way that John and Chad sound on this song. Mm. Uh, I don't particularly like it, but I, I I did like how they sounded. I like the way John's guitar sounds, and I thought Chad did a great job on drums on this. Um, a pretty busy, um, pretty busy uh, work, I guess for yeah. him, for him on this. Uh, and I also at the end of this song, uh, someone screams. I don't know who it is, but there's a great primal scream at the end. I kind of dug that. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, keep on trucking. This is Storm in a Teacup.
Maybe someday in another, how many years did I say it had been since, uh, what was it, 15, 16 years? Maybe another chunk of years, this will be one that I appreciate because if ever there was a track on both discs that I would skip, it's this one. Hmm. I, I'm just not on fire about it. I think this is the one that John agrees with you on. Yeah. Okay. He, when they were selecting the songs to put on the album, and he was like, he "You said, sure? Let's not in the let's not pick this song." Mm. He picked this one. I believe that's right. But then he did agree that this one is very much a Chili Peppers song. Yeah. And so it sounds it like on. earlier. It does. Peppers for sure. It mm-hmm. sounds very classic Chili Peppers. Um. I love the, I love the acapella bits where he's just going on a rant, speaking mm-hmm. and the heavens to Murgatroyd. Yeah. <laughs> Any song that opens with heavens to Murgatroyd, right. you can't go wrong. Um, I, I, I like the verses in this song. Yeah. I'm not really a fan of how he sounds in the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, just. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really do your, anything for me. Your face says it all. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, um, I, I did read um, a little bit about this song that um, Flea's favorite line in the song is, you try to be a lady, but you're walking like a sauerkraut. <laughs> yep. I heard that. <laughs> and, and I think like, I think Anthony was just kind of shrugged his shoulders at, at just the insanity of some of the lyrics just mm. sometimes you just gotta write lyrics that just don't make any sense whatsoever yeah and just gotta have fun you with got, them yeah sometimes you just need filler too for I sure would, i would guess that anthony may have encountered some women like this who may be somewhat small but contain a storm in their teapot <laughs> <laughs> what kind of women would you say he hasn't encountered <laughs> William Shakespeare, Oscar Wilde, Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> <laughs> whoopte, whoopte, get to Galagoopte. Um, this is actually a, bump. <laughs> this is a Cicero <laughs> oh, no. uh, reference. So um, I have to admit, though, that this chorus uh, is catchy as fuck. Yeah. And uh, regardless of the fact that it's completely nonsensical, it gets in your head. And yeah. um, it's kind of fun to sing along to just for... Uh, for S and G's, so at the, my first note on this was, "Oh yeah," <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, "It's just you know, it's like a classic Chili Peppers type sound, right? Like it's mm-hmm. very you know, it's very upbeat, and the lyrics don't have to fucking mean anything, and it's just funky, and yeah." So it just reminded me of kind of like you guys said, classic, uh, classic um, Chili Peppers. I wish that I could hear the other tracks that didn't make the cut. <laughs> you know? Haven't they uh, released? I uh, thought I read that they released 37 of the 38 songs. They did? Yeah. So then I really want to hear that one. <laughs> right. That the one, what is the one that they have not yet released? Come on. Come on, Nixon. <laughs> release all your tapes. <laughs> so they're out Freedom there. Freedom of information. You can, you can find them somewhere. Yeah. I'm, I I don't know if they released like a B-Sides album or if they just I feel like it. I'm a bad fan that I don't know. You got to go got to do your research. You guys uh you realize they're uh you realize they're going out on tour. Mm-hmm. Here. Uh, well, Sam's going to be first in line to get tickets. Whoop day whoop day. I don't <laughs> get your butt whoop day. Oh my god. It's my favorite. I one. Don't. <laughs> 
My favorite one by the pepper. Hey, guys, this is We Believe. <laughs> That was Nixon. I know I got it. No, I got it. I got it. You, you should probably clarify that, that for the young. Loud? <laughs> you should probably clarify that for the younger listeners. Yeah. Both of them. We're old. Both of them. <laughs> give i guess a little bit of a spoiler here for the next three tracks Uh-oh. i'm not on fire about them mm-hmm. it, it just kind of yeah it just kind of fades out and i don't know if that's just if everyone knows that's a mars thing and i miss that but uh i i don't know um it's not a bad song it's just slow it doesn't it doesn't really pack a punch yeah um i guess i would agree um in that they're not standout songs for me, right? But I enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, I don't. I, I don't feel the need to skip them, right? Yeah. Um. So were they the best way to end the album? I don't know. That, um, that's the question that I have. Yeah. But I'll probably get into this later because I have a feeling that the question will be asked: Which disc is better? Mm, um, it might be. So <laughs> I, I'll wait on that. I guess. Excellent. So. This song um, started. Very interestingly, Flea was studying music theory and he wrote the bass line based off of something that he had just picked up in a theory, in one mm. of his theory books. And that's where this song came from. So cool. these aren't wow. just great instrument playing people. They're actually musicians who yeah. study their craft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Respect. That's good. I don't really have any notes on this. I, I, I feel sort of the same way that you do, though. Like, these last three tracks, I, I don't have any notes about them. Yeah, it's just, it's weird how it just kind of fades out. Yeah, and I, I wish I did. Like, I wish I kind of had something distinguishable to say about these last few, but I I don't know. I didn't really, so sorry, spoilers for the next couple songs. That's <laughs> <but laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's move it along. This is Turn It Again.
ever find in our research about these guys if it's a matter of music first, lyrics second? Kind of like the way that R.E.M. does it, where they have a tune and then they come up with the words for it afterwards. Yeah, I have no idea. I feel like for the most part what I've read is that usually it starts out with music. Like one of them will come with just, Mm -hmm. you know, like John will start playing something and then Flea will come in and start, Mm. you know, playing something complimentary Uh. to John and then Chad will come in. Which would make sense. And then Anthony comes in with the lyrics, but sometimes, not as often, I don't think, Anthony will have a lyric that they write the music to. Okay. It seems like he fit. I we did talk about this during the first album, and I think we we kind of had this discussion about. See, that was sober, that, Lance. Yeah. Now I've had some drinks. We, we thought so. we thought that the that the riffs typically came from either Flea or John, like some sort of bass thing, and it came out of it was most songs were born out of jams. Yeah, <clears throat> it doesn't right. seem like. And then and Anthony just kind of fits yeah. his lyrics to the to what's happening. There is one song I can't remember which one that um, Anthony mentioned that he was sad because John really liked the song until the lyrics came in and then he didn't love it as much anymore. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, I understand how to <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, there's, there's elements of this song that I like. Um, I will say of the last three, we believe turn it again, death of a Martian uh, spoilers for the next one. Uh, this one is my favorite of the three. But uh, still, it just kind of. Nah, I mean, I think know. the the standout that makes this song memorable is is the guitar, the mm-hmm. the little. Yeah, that is <laughs> that slide on the note. Yeah, that and the uh, and the backing vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and I when it seems like any song that they do it, if they if they, I want to say if they do it right, but I I can't think of any of them where it sounded off or wrong when they you know had the backing vocals. It was a good bass riff on this too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they it's it sounded like the Chili Peppers. I think it's right. just not necessarily a, you know, one of the better songs. Just say banger. Oh. Say banger. One of the It's not one of the bangers <laughs> in the catalog. Well, I think this song was would have been better without the beginning. I love the what two two and a half minutes at the end where it's just guitar solo. Mm. I don't need the yeah. vocals in this one. The rest is great. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. God damn it. <laughs> All right. This is the final track of Stadium Arcadium, Death of a Martian. This song is about a dog. (laughs) (laughs) A dog that died? A dog that died. Uh, Named Martian? It was named Martian. It was Flea's dog. And this dog was huge, like 200 pounds. And um, (laughs) it was around while they were working on Californication. So they all died really close to this dog. Mm, Shoot.
I have a quote. Um, it says, uh, <laughs> Ketis explained, then there was this 200 pound dog who was just very chill, very calm, very loving, who was just there every single day, sort of crashed out in front of the garage while we were rehearsing. And to me, it was very special. She was sort of like our little spirit guide through that time. Aw. Wow. Now I'm completely turned around on Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> the man's you know, love of a dog. You know, he's just a stand-up guy. Oh, and I take Lee. back everything I ever said. Love, Sam. <laughs> Lee also mentioned during the commentary that he was really glad that Anthony wrote this song about Martian because now Martian is immortalized. That is sweet. I don't think that this is a bad way to end the album. And I know that we we said something previously about it being, you know, Stadium Arcadium, having the planets and Death of a Martian, how that all ties in together. I had no idea previously that it was about a dog. But I think that this is a good song to end the album on. But I'm not sure it needed to be three in a row that were just kind of, yeah, for me. So I feel like it, it would have packed more of a punch as an ending with a different sequencing. But I, last time I checked, am not a chili pepper. So I was not there for those discussions. She's got sword in case, though this is not her lord in case. The one who can't afford to face her image is restored to grace. Disappeared, no trace, musketeer's suitcase. The downturn, brave little burn cup, bear careless turnips, their rampages, pitch color pages. Down and out, but not in Vegas. Disembarks and disengages, no law. Sweet pink canary cages, plummet top, dew skin, fortitude for the sniffing. What did you feel? This was the track that had the spoken um, bit at the end, like all the spoken lyrics at the oh, end. Oh, right? yeah. Right? Yeah. What, what, did, mm-hmm. what did you think about that, Sam? Cool. <laughs> just i thought it was well, an interesting that's way to surprising t- because he usually hates that sort of thing right i'm not that big of a fan usually of that. <laughs> uh yeah i just thought it was an interesting way to to end it is like the very final yeah. track of the yeah you know, on the double album it was kind of interesting wasn't it well i guess if you think about the album as not an album but more of like an exper- journey, yeah, a journey, or or <laughs> like an experience, or Just whatever. A small town girl, you know, living in a uh, Mars. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of get that if you think about it more as, and and I'm not saying that this is what they were doing or that anybody should necessarily think this, but if you if you look at it more on the artsy side of music you know, for that experience, I, that is kind of neat that they do that, but I, I don't know that I would have made that choice, but it's, I don't know. It works, I guess. They said that the, uh, the poem was chosen because they needed something else at the end of the song mm-hmm. and couldn't figure out what to do. And then Anthony just pulled out a book of poems he had written and picked one. But it was his. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I, I dig that. That's, that's cool. You got a double album. I mean, you might as well pull out all your tricks. Like, just let it go because you've got all this space. You know, if you're if you've made the determination, you're not going to cut it and cut it down to like a single album. You know, you might as well do a bunch of different things. And I think they did on this album. You know, 
Yeah. It, it does make definitely... me, it makes me curious to listen to the other tracks. Like what we, were, I would love to listen to, to those. find I out need what, to find, them. to find out what it was that they cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one good thing about this, I guess, is to hear that they were getting, it seems like they were all being supportive and getting along at this point, which is good. And so that maybe is why the creativity was not, you know, it was, everything was really free, 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 wow, was really uh, free flowing, like, you yeah. know, so, so I guess that's, uh, you know, that's always a good thing when you're in a band. Right. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but we are at the end of the album, both discs. So there's huh. that. Uh, takeaways, final thoughts about things. What are, you know, where are you at? I enjoyed the journey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so prior to this listen, had you ever heard this before, or was it just the singles? The whole album? No. Yeah. I had never listened to the whole album before. I'd only heard the singles. Would you? Uh, I'm. I'm gonna need you to uh, leave your Yelp review. For this album, uh, how many stars and would you recommend to a friend? I'd probably give it four out of it's five stars, right? Yeah. Okay. I, this isn't this it's isn't. Well, we're gonna work on our own scale, and it's six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and this, let me tell you why. This one goes to eleven. Yeah, I would say four out of five stars. Okay. Um, I would recommend to a friend. We're friends, so mm-hmm. we're way ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Are we to the point where we choose a disc that we most sure? Favor? Well, let's let's do that as we go person to person. Okay. Yeah. Um. So even though probably my favorite Chili Peppers song of all time, "Snow," is on the first disc, um, along with a couple of other favorites, uh, "Danny California" and "Slow Cheetah," I have to say that "Mars" is probably my more favorite of the two. Okay. Um. I have some other favorite songs on there. Desecration Smile, Tell Me Baby, 21st Century for sure, and If. Um, I really enjoyed all those songs. So if you could have Snow on the second disc. if I, Yeah, oh that God, would if be... I could have Danny California, Snow, and Slow Cheetah on the second disc. Then would... you only need one disc. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an amazing album for me. Cut the last three songs. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. With those. Veronica, Yelp review. Four and a half stars. We'll listen again because my brain is not really in a place to listen and pay attention right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was much more difficult for me to concentrate on the second disc, and I don't know if it's because of what was on it or because of what was going on in my head, but uh, I, in this listen, I would say the first, the first album is w- the one that I prefer. Jupiter. Yes. Okay. Mr. Barnes. Yeah, I think I think Jupiter is maybe the stronger set, uh, personally, um, just you know throughout. But I do think there are, there are some uh, highlights on um, Mars that I did enjoy listening to. As odd as maybe Storm in a Teacup is, <clears throat> I do think when you have a catchy chorus, even if it's nonsensical, as I said before, I think that you know, hey, kudos for that. Uh, and my probably, as I said before, the song I enjoyed the most ready made was um, on the second side. So um, out of five. Uh, Do it. Yeah, I would probably give this um, like a oh. two and a half. Ooh. Ooh. 
Uh, I'd probably what about give it- out of six and a half? <laughs> <laughs> that that's worse. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't say yeah. that was out of six. And a half. Yeah, I'd I'd give him maybe a two and a, two and a half out of five. I I think um, that I think a lot of that just has to do with. You know, I, as I've obviously stated, I, I don't. We're all friends here. I know. I, I'm not really huge <laughs> on like Kita's sense of uh, melody or his lyrical content generally. Mm. Um, so, you know, whatever. But I can enjoy like a good beat. And I think what John and Chad brought to the table on this album was really stellar. Uh, and I can definitely enjoy a lot of moments of what they did on this. Um, so, you know, there's that. Uh, I'm going to share something else that I wrote. Sure. <clears throat> um, you can cut it. <laughs> <laughs> I will cut nothing. Dear listeners, <laughs> if you like a band who's allergic to wearing shirts, has a tone deaf lead singer who only sings about screwing or California and whose bass player rips off the Seinfeld theme in every song, this is the group for you. <laughs> Wow. He is. He is, Mr. Barnes. Is. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, that I'm sounds glad. like this is the group for me then. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of those things. Wow. Um, but, Take off your shirt. But to be fair, uh, I do think that the Chili Peppers have this incredible ability of being able to uh, gel the uh, basic three piece group of guitar, bass and drums quite well. And they're all talented musicians and they sound great together. All four of them. And I think Kiedis, when he <laughs> okay. does what he does best, which I talked about on the first album, I think they sound like a really fun, you know, group to listen to. Yeah. There, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of chili pepper stuff that I enjoy. Um, you know, especially stuff from, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which is an album I kind of grew up listening to, and some things on Californication, um, and some of their earlier stuff from the 80s that's really funky. Like, I can really get into that. Um, but this album is, uh, you know, I just for me, it's average. Okay. I've talked enough. Sam, <laughs> I, I have a question for you, because okay. I'm curious. I'm ready. I'm curious if Flea is not one of your favorites for sure as far as bass players go who do you have a favorite bass player yeah um so uh i really hmm i really like so big rush fan Mm. i think getty lee is an amazing bass player okay um you know i like uh queen a lot so Mm -hmm. john deacon i thought was a brilliant bass player um Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I could probably come up with some other ones. Um, Billy Cox, who played uh, with Jimi Hendrix later in his career, Band of Gypsies, great bass player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, but, um, you know, I don't have anything against Flea. Like, he mm. plays slap bass, so I don't know. It's just it's, a different It is. It's a little sound. bit different, and you don't have to, like, hit the notes perfectly. Like, you can kind of be a little more... Cavalier, I think, with your playing when you're a slap bass player. So, you know, you know, you're not like note perfect necessarily. But yeah. uh for what for what he does and how it fits into the construct of this band, it works. Right. Yeah. It is, that's the same way I feel about Kiedis and what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I know I came off as sort of the negative one, obviously, throughout this entire thing. Hopefully, hopefully the things that I said were maybe semi, semi entertaining. I played it up a little more than I should have. I don't think that you were necessarily being that negative per se, but I do wish that you would have. I and I have no stake in this whatsoever because, as I had previously mentioned, I am not a Chili Pepper. But I was really hoping that you would like this album a little bit more. Well, and I think, but but I think it's I right, of course. But but I I think it does boil down to you know how much I listened to it at the time. Yeah. So granted, it like I said, it it hasn't been in like in my crazy heavy rotation or anything like that. But I always go back to it. So I have you know sixteen whatever years of of it in my past. Right. So I'm I'm just more familiar with it. But then. As I mentioned, I think maybe in the previous episode that uh, with disc one that I I feel like because that amount of time has gone by, I still like the ones that I used to like, but I've opened myself up to some of the other tracks, which is the same as it as it pertains to their old albums or even you know, you or other friends uh, introducing me to other bands that I never really gave the time of day. And uh, so that's one of the the benefits of time, I guess, is that is that you have that opportunity. I think we just also have to acknowledge that it's been 16 years. Yeah. (laughs) And we're Mm -hmm. getting older. Wait, why do we have to acknowledge that? Where is this going? Just as just in general. (laughs) I'm la, just la, saying. La, 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 la. She, she brought it back. She brought back <laughs> the lalas. Um, I'm just saying, as we get older, our tastes change, and we we grow as people, and we, we? learn to. I mean, <laughs> some of us, but, but and uh, we learn to yeah. open ourselves up to different right things, yeah. for sure, including yeah. music and musical genres and tastes, and yeah, yeah. So take that for what it's. For sure. And I think we can be reintroduced to like music. You know, I Mm -hmm. know that there are things that I listened to before that I maybe didn't appreciate as much Mm -hmm. and I appreciate more now. So I think that's the thing. So what was your star rating? We didn't hear that. Oh, my star rating. Because yours was two and a half. Right. (laughs) I'm dragging down the average a little bit. (laughs) Okay. I am probably, and I don't feel like I'm being too generous here, but I am probably going to give it a five, Ooh, five star because Ooh. yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those albums that I just, I, for the most part, like the whole thing. If, if you want me to grade the album as a whole, I'm going to give it a five because there's really only one or two songs that I will pass by and, you know, just, just hit skip or whatever medium that I'm listening to it on. I don't think there was any cassette tape, so I wouldn't have hit fast forward. So uh, that's kind of where I I land on it, I think. So percentage-wise, it would be in the like 90th percentile, right? So I'm not great at math, but 28 tracks. If I if I take a test, there's 28 questions and I miss two, what's my percentage on that test? Anyone? 90, 96%? What is that? 97.3? V's getting out her calculator. I don't know how to do this math. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> math was never my thing. But that's where that's where I'm I, I'm coming from. You don't know how to do that. No, I can't figure it. We're all well, you idiots. Just have to, yeah, you just have to divide twenty six by twenty eight, right? Yeah, twenty six by twenty. That's what I was gonna <laughs> is say. That, is that how math works? We don't know math. We know yeah. music. I lit, Sam. Or maybe we don't know music. Ninety three percent. Okay, ninety. So ninety three percent. Yeah. So that's gotta be that's gotta be a five star. But it's not like. It's okay. Let's think of think of it in terms of Guitar Hero. It's got all five stars, but they're not gold stars. Okay, so it's not a hundred percent, but but it's close. I it's, think it's good. Yeah, I think this album might have got a higher grade for me if it had been a single disc, because I think if, oh yeah, you know, if they like, would have been a little bit more picky. Yeah, like if I could have if I could have picked like my favorite songs from this <laughs> album, I bet I would have given it a better grade because there would have been less filler. <laughs> I guess for, for me personally. Yeah. Well, saying. and I guess I never so I was thinking about this with the with the album in general. Like it seems like something that hardcore Chili Peppers fans probably would have loved cuz it's like totally. they're getting they're getting extra shit. Yeah. But I never necessarily thought of myself as a hardcore Chili Peppers fan. But maybe and I'm I'm not even saying that I am that now, but maybe I'm closer to that than I thought mm-hmm. that I was. Which means that I need to spend more time listening to their other stuff. But that's going to be hard, too, because the albums after this, I remember hearing the ones that they thought were the, I'm going to say it again, the bangers, the singles that went out on the radio. And I wasn't on fire for them. And I think that's because John wasn't there. Mm. And that's what I was missing when I and at the time I knew that he wasn't there, but I didn't know. I couldn't identify the sound that I was missing, really. So. so did this album get to number one because the album was that good or because there was so much material that all of the fans just ran out and bought it because yeah. hey, there's 28 songs? I mean, I don't know. I feel like in going on to YouTube and other resources, seeing what people were saying about it, what the band thought about it, I think that it was pretty well received by most people at the time that that were actually interested in listening to the whole thing. I think it performed quite well. And at least two of the tracks, I want to say, and maybe it wasn't the hot 100 or the billboard, like the main 100, but, but two of them like debuted at number one, I thought, Mm -hmm. but maybe that was just in the rock Mm -hmm. genre or or something. I forget. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't write that down. So yeah, I, I don't know, but it has, become one of my favorite albums and i am very happy that you guys listened to it with me so thank you granted we were not in the same place when we listened to it but it it made me happy that you guys dove into it and maybe you have a greater appreciation of it than than what you had before regardless of my low grade (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm always down to listen to something that I've never heard before. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad, much like, you know, like the garbage album that we listened to, mm-hmm. I'm glad that I listened to it because I'd never gone all the way through it. That's cool. And not, not only is that why we are here, like that's <laughs> the whole point of this thing, but that's been even prior to starting Album Monder back when it was just uh me sam and joe that's that's been one of my favorite things amongst friends to do in doing stuff like that like being introduced to bands like luscious jackson and just recently uh so um the other day i went to a garage sale that a friend had pointed out he had this is a very quick story he had sent me a message early in the morning like 8 30 
And I was totally asleep because that is not my schedule to be awake at 830 in the morning. And 10 cent CDs, all like 90s killer albums. And uh, I may have showed some uh, some of them to you, but um, I was so mad because of 10 cents, like you can't go wrong. And I knew that Sam had started like diving back into CDs again. So but eventually I made my way over at noon and <laughs> and and I but I still got some got some good stuff. And um, the uh, the luscious Jackson album, they they had one of them there. I'm going to look up what it was here. Uh, because I forget the name. Uh, I remember you showed me that picture of some of the CDs, and you, yeah, you were just like, just buy the whole thing. That's, that's what I said. I <laughs> just was like, buy the whole box. Why didn't you buy all of them? Here's but a I was dollar. like, he I'll wasn't me, so I, I no, get seriously. it. I totally get it. <laughs> Here's a dollar. That's great. <laughs> um, is it was their ni- 1996 Fever In Fever Out mm. album, and if Sam hadn't. Uh, introduced me to what was it in in search of Manny yeah. yeah so that album which then since because I enjoyed it so much I bought it on cassette which is kind of a rare cassette and then so the other day I was I was gonna be in the van for a while so I just listened to that whole other album like front to back and it was just great and that's not an experience that I would have had if I wasn't open to listening to new things and that's what this whole thing is about so. Yeah, I never listened to musicals until uh, Veronica was like, hey, you should listen to musicals. (laughs) Well, I don't think she ever actually directly said that to me. But, you know, I heard her talking about musicals that she liked to listen to. And I know I started to get into them, uh, you know, uh, because she was talking about how good they were. Yeah. um, And so anytime I listen to a musical, I always like text her and I'm like, hey, I just listened to this. So she'll be like, what version did you listen to? She's right. like, she'll like guide me in the right direction. So should we, I listen to the best one. We need to work on that because now you've got my daughter listening to musicals. And my position has always been, I want to see it before I hear the music for the most part. Like I, I went ahead and listened to Hamilton because there was no way I could be around any of our friends. <laughs> Without listening to Hamilton. I mean, we all had it memorized pretty quick. (laughs) It was fairly fast. It was actually actually very impressive how well we had all of that. And it's what, like two and a half, three hours or something like that. And we just knew all of it. Yes. (laughs) I I don't want to change the subject, but before we close the book on Stadium Arcadium, I do have a couple more questions. Yeah. that I will put out to the group. One is for the group and the other is for specifically for Lance. The yes. first question is I will ask them both consecutively. So wait till I'm done <laughs> and then you can answer. The first question <laughs> is, do we know how they came up with the name for the album? Sub question, mm. how close Lance were you to naming your bar stadium Barcadia? <laughs> I have actually a very good answer for that, which I will get to. Okay. But let's do the first question first. Okay. Okay. Let me answer it. You know? Ready? Ready? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, fuck. (laughs) So that was my turn. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look it up, but, but speculate for a second. I have Um, no theories. uh, They played in stadiums. I I do think it's actually kind of a unique title for an album. And I, I kind of like it, actually. I, I mean, it, yeah, it works. Yeah, it, it's I very, it's very Chili Peppers. I feel like. I mean, you know? give me an hour, and I could maybe go through some of the other lyrics and find another cool album name. But 
Um, well, yeah, right? Like they could have dedicated it to Martian. They talked on the commentary about what Stadium Arcadium means, mm-hmm. and they really went into depth, and I didn't write any of it down or remember what they said. Veronica. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. So I can't find the official, like, where this thing came from, because it starts by saying he explained. So I'm not sure who said this, because when I click the link, it doesn't it doesn't take me to this thing. But it says the reasoning behind the decision to name the album Stadium Arcadium by saying that it had more, quote, variety and verve compared to its predecessors. And we each have things we do best. And it's all in there. Everybody played their part and expressed their creativity to the max. So it has, it's got to have to do with uh, like the idea of playing within a stadium, but I have no idea where the Arcadium comes. comes Is Arcadium even a real word? It rhymes. Is Arcadium a word? We're gonna. I mean, it sounds like an out. element on the periodic table, Should but ask Echo. Uh, is Echo hooked up? Echo's not hooked up. Oh. Wrong podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I get confused. Um, but you know the way that Ketis rhymes words and is always coming up with things that you know go together in songs. I mean, I just think it seemed like to me it seemed like a very Chili Peppers thing. Yeah, to do. Just my opinion. That in July fourth of twenty twenty, somebody on Reddit posed the question. What is the actual meaning of Stadium Arcadium? And somebody said, uh, and this is the beginning of their response. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony spoke about this in the 2006 documentary where they interview each other on the creation of songs. Quote, quite specifically, specifically the, imagery the imagery involved, involved uh-huh. is that of a group of people out in the middle of nowhere listening to music together in the middle of the night, uh-huh. creating a light which is reflecting the sort of heavens above. Because that, that song is really about um, connecting uh, to people by way of music yeah. for the sake of honoring the universe and, cool. and feeling connected to the universe. Cool, because that's how it makes me feel. That's what it's about. Yes. Yeah. That is what I watched. Did, uh, did that make sense? <laughs> it's, a also, little, it's a little out there. Also, I'm going to answer your question because it was a great question that you posed to me. I'm going to answer your question by telling you a bit of a story. So for anybody that doesn't know, my family and I, we opened up what some people would call a barcade, an arcade bar. And then what happened when we got on uh, Instagram and all those other fucking stupid places, we started using the hashtag barcade. Well, comes to find out that, uh, comes doesn't make sense. Come to find out there is, there is a, there is a place in New York that trademarked the word barcade and they weren't even the first one to be a barcade. They just had the money to get the trademark. So they got the trademark. And then when people started using the term barcade, they sued them. And so they came after me and all of my posts and they were like relentless. And they were saying, if you do not remove these hashtags from your posts, we will pursue suing you. And I looked up stuff about them and found out 
that they had done it to other people and actually physically gone into court and sued them. And uh, so my response to this <laughs> was that I, I told them in a message after this had been going on for some time, I said, I will remove all the hashtags, not because of your trademark on this, because I hate talking to you and I never want to hear from you again. And then after that, I told everyone that I knew that came into the bar, put hashtag barcade <laughs> on your post because we didn't post it and you did. <laughs> Fuck those guys. So, yes. But that would have been a great name. I agree with you. I just thought about that. I was like, I wonder if Lance, if it crossed his because, mind. Well, because you can't, there's no trademark on Barcadia. That's right. what I was going to ask was right. because it's not exactly the same as Barcade. I know. Yeah. But and, would would the Chili Peppers have come after you and be like, hey, you can't really. Well, what I found out, and I didn't say this because it wasn't really related, but apparently Arcadium is actually a British psychedelic group who released one album in 1969. Hmm. And I know nothing about them. <laughs> so either. that's where we will leave that. Wow. Hey, I don't know if you guys know this, but sometimes when we finish an album, we're about to get into another album. Anybody oh, is have that how that works? Anyone have any idea of hmm. who's next? Hmm. In 1989, <laughs> the Red Hot Chili Peppers put out an album called Mother's Milk. Okay. The second track on that album was a cover of a song, and the original version is on the album that we're going to be talking about next time we meet. Does anyone know who did the original version of the song, Higher Ground? Oh, I, I should know this. I have to sit here and think about it, though. Is, I'm at a loss. Wait. Are we, is this like back in the 60s? How old is this? It's not the 60s. Okay. But you're closer than the 2000s. Oh, right. I see. Okay. Who is it? It's Stevie Wonder. Oh. Uh, in 1973, Stevie Wonder put out an album called Inner Visions that mm. had the original version of Higher Ground. Did you just say 71? 73. 73. Okay, I was still pretty close. Yeah, it had the, it had the original version of the song Higher Ground I and do remember. a few others yeah. that I think that you guys will know, but I was uh really getting into R&B and soul and funk around the beginning of uh the pandemic uh in 2020 and um it was just something I was really listening to and I kept going back to this album and back to this album a lot and listening to it and really enjoying it. So, I thought I would bring it to the table and uh but all of you guys. That's exciting. Yeah. I do remember hearing that song by him now. Yeah. But I couldn't. No. In the moment, I could not think of that. Yeah. This is the it's sad to say this is actually going to be the first album that we cover on Album Monitor that is from the decade of the 70s because we have lived extensively <laughs> in the 90s and the 80s because, you know, those are the times we grew up. Of and course. So that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, and we've dabbled a little bit into the 2000s here and there, but um, I'm excited that we're going to dig into 70s album, a 70s album, because there are many great ones from that decade. I can't think of any one better to kick off 70s, though. It's that's awesome. I like it. So yeah. we'll we'll see what you guys think. Have you guys heard that album, or do you are do you re remember that song? No, not at all. It's, no, this is this is going to be a new one for me. Sweet. Cool. 
I've heard a lot of Stevie Wonder, so I, I will probably recognize a lot of the yeah, I think you will. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think that's the album that I have, but uh, I'm going to soon. Yeah, some of the more classic albums from that period as well. He, he had a really classic 70s period, Talking Book, which has Superstition, You Are the Sunshine of My Life on it. That's the one I have. Um, also a double album called um, Songs in the Key of Life. Um, that has, uh, like Sir Duke on it and, uh, well, several others you'd probably recognize, but would you say that Stevie wonder had, he was one of those artists that just always sound like, sounded like Stevie or did he have kind of a seventies vibe to his music? Well, he definitely evolved and changed. I mean, he did a song in the 80s, I Just Called to Say I Love You, which yeah. you've probably heard. And yeah. so that is, I think, significantly different than like some of the funky stuff that he was doing in the 70s. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's, we'll talk about it a lot more, but he was right. one of those artists that played everything and was a real virtuoso Um and uh, extremely talented. And so uh, I'm pretty excited to uh, to talk about this one. And if you guys, uh, you know, um, feel the way about Stevie that I felt about Anthony Kiedis, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I, I just can't I feel see like myself we, saying we, the we, things we, about we, Stevie Wonder that you did about Anthony Kiedis. Was, like, I, like, was I too harsh? I mean... Like, like we, don't, we don't even have like an address that people know, but I feel like s- somehow people would find us we're on facebook oh fair yeah all i'm gonna say is nice stuff that's it but i do love stevie wonder so i'm excited about this i just i i've never really once again i haven't dove into his discography at all so this is exciting would you say to you is this your favorite album of his it's my favorite album of his that I have heard. Yes. Oh, I've gone okay. through a lot of his 70 dis- 70s discography and some of his early 80s stuff. And then some of the stuff from like when he first got started in the late 60s. But mm. um, yeah, th- this is definitely my favorite one so far. I figured out with two twisted T's, I have trouble saying the word discography. Discography. <laughs> you did it perfectly just then. Well, that's because I had to think about it beforehand. But, you know, in, in speaking... Uh, um, off the top of uh, my head or off the cuff, that's when I have trouble with it because I was like, oh, that's a word that I don't remember how to say while I'm drinking. So there's that. Well, I'm excited. That's going to be great. So that's next time. Oh, name of the album one more time. Uh, it's called Inner Visions. Inner Visions. Yeah. Stevie Wonder. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun, guys. Thank you. Yes. Thank, Thank you. Uh, we will. I appreciate all the thanks because I feel like that was towards me. Uh, also, thank you to the listeners, and um, we're going to be back real soon. We're probably going to have a B-side again here uh, real quick, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised about that. No idea what it is yet, but we'll find out. All right, we'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.